Blog Talk Radio. Rhyme ruler, the mind of the master The yeah. prom poet, designed for disaster A crime candidate, the light heavyweight I yeah. might levitate right through the heaven's gate Rhymes record break, next bonds and vertebrae Simple yeah. and plain like Kanye, I heard him say It's murder one when he murder tracks I'm a dirt yeah. bag, flirting with songbirds and Birkin bags My first rap, catch Roberta Flex I'm a certified Mac, but I'm sure you ain't heard of that Slim dug in them hoes, they been loving the flow They been hunting for men like in vogue And I, I'm in season, the season vet I don't need respect, all I need is a check Mike, check Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us On this brand new edition of Grizzly Bear Blues Live I am your host, Joe Monax I have to lead off with an apology I came back about a month ago A little more than a month ago And I said I was back and the show was back and it was going to be very exciting. And then the job got in the way. Uh, The the coaching, the team had a good little run. We made the second round of the playoffs and um, things got a little busier than I anticipated. So I apologize. First show was kind of a tease and then we went away. But we're back now. Fall is is done. I am full-blown blog mode over at grizzlybearblues.com as your site manager and your host of Grizzly Bear Blues Live, the flag podcast on our GBB network podcasts. Ways to get in touch with the program, you can follow me on Twitter at GBB Live, as always. You can also follow, or excuse me, follow the show on Twitter at GBB Live. Excuse me. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax, M-U-L-L-I-N-A-X. I kindly ask that you do so. Uh, could use all the followers. Um, and I appreciate everybody who does follow, who follows the blog, all the work that we do over at grizzlybearblues.com. Um, I always say our strength, our staff, and I'm a big fan of the work that we've been doing in the recent days uh, and weeks since the Grizzlies have gotten completely underway with their season. So thanks to everybody who's checked out our work. Thanks to everyone who has been a part of our community as we move forward. And thank you, my guest tonight, who I'm very excited to welcome back onto the show. Again, it's going to be pretty cool to to be back weekly, and I had an opportunity to be on 92.9 uh, FM ESPN Memphis today and kind of getting back to the next swing, uh, being more fully engaged with the Grizzlies. I still watch the games. Obviously, I've been writing, uh, but the podcasting, the appearances, that that's died down a little bit due to the, the football season being extended, but it's back now, and I'm excited to talk Grizzlies basketball for the next hour or so with my guests tonight on the first segment here coming up momentarily is Jeff Calkins of the daily Memphian and of 92.9 FM ESPN Memphis. Excited to talk to him about the surprises, disappointments in the season so far, Mike Conley as an all-star potentially all sorts of different stuff with Jeff. Um, one of the foremost Memphis sports folks out there. So he's going to have perspective on those things and more in the second segment of this podcast. We're going to have Peter Edmiston, of the Athletic Memphis, as well as his own show on Sports 56 WHB in Memphis. Going to talk to Peter about his boy, Jaron Jack Jr. Yes, he's allowed to claim him as his boy. Uh, I should have trusted Peter all along, but I think that the funny thing about Peter is uh, his boy is even better than he thought he would be at this stage of his career. So we'll talk to Peter Edmiston, 
uh, the co-host of Owen Peter on Sports 56 WHBQ in Memphis, and then also uh, the Athletic Memphis, where he writes about the Grizzlies now. And then in the final segment, uh, GBB's own associate editor, Mark King, at King underscore producer, will join the show. He's also the new host of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast on the Locked On Network. I have a segment with him. He's going to come on this week and uh, talk Grizzlies with me uh, and a variety of other topics and things. Um, I'm excited to have him back on the show as well. So but before we get to all of that, I do want to touch on something that I've gotten a little bit of heat on in the past, and I just want to clarify. The Grizzlies are obviously 14-9, and nine, and – being at 14 right now is good for the sixth seed in the Western Conference. They're two and a half games out of the one seed behind the Denver Nuggets, who are 17 and 7 as of this recording. But they are also two and a half games away from being out of the playoffs entirely. Uh, the Sacramento Kings, the Timberwolves, New Orleans Pelicans, those are all three teams that are at 500 or better that are currently on the outside looking into the Western Conference playoff picture. So it's not like. We're, we're looking at a team that is soundly in the playoffs. But we're also not looking at a team that is so far gone, like we were this time last year, that there, there was no hope. There was no hope that they were going to turn things around. It already kind of broke down to the point that, that there was no return, so to speak. And I have said over and over again that the goal for this season should be a conveying of that draft pick to Boston in the 2019 NBA draft. And as long as they're able to do that and play meaningful, fun basketball, I was going to be happy. And I'll get Jeff's take on that in a moment. But I'm standing by that. I, I'm happy with the team, even though I think they're going to cool off a little bit, even though I think they're going to regress some, even though I think you're, you're looking at a roster that's going to show some of its imperfections soon enough as, as time goes on. I'm not sure that they can sustain the play that they're at. But at the same time, 365 days ago, after they played the New York Knicks on December 6, 2017, the Memphis Grizzlies were 8-16. and 16, And they were in the midst of a five-game losing streak, or starting a five-game losing streak. And it was the, the bottom falling out of their season even more than it already had. So part of the reason that I look at this the way that I do, and I look at these Grizzlies who have clearly overachieved from from what most folks thought was reasonable for them, I'm just happy that they're playing competitive basketball. I'm just happy that they're in a position to be in the playoff conversation, that when they beat the Los Angeles Clippers, it's not a... A, t- a conversation of how that hurts your lottery standing. How could we forget? There was a point last year where we were talking about how the Grizzlies should lose so that they don't hurt their standing in the lottery. But now we're, we're back to where the team the past seven or eight seasons has been a competitive basketball team, a team that people have to respect a team that, is not allowing, or when they're having success, is not allowing others to dictate the way that they're going to play basketball. So while I think calling them grit and grind is a little bit strong, and, and to be honest, a little disrespectful towards Tony Allen and Zach Randolph, I thought that was more of a personality thing uh, along with the Grizzlies than, than anything. 
I do think that there's elements of that style of play that they have merged in a more modern sense and with a younger roster. And that's good to see they're not trying to be something that they're not. They're not going to be able to run up and down the floor. They're not going to be able to play that style of ball. And I think that that credit goes to JB Bickerstaff and that credit goes to the front office for putting around pieces or pieces around, excuse me, Marcus all and Mike Conley that, that complement them in that style of play. Kyle Anderson's a great example. Kyle Anderson's one of the most unique players in the entire association. He's fun to watch. I really enjoy his game. And he, he's in a place and he's at a place where his physical tools can be appreciated. Now they're not fully applied yet. Uh, we had a great article go up over at grizzlybearblues.com that compares Kyle to Tony Allen in terms of his unique physical skill set, what he brings to the basketball floor, and how he contributes in ways that are not measurable in the box score all the time. He still has tremendous value for this team. So I enjoy watching Kyle Anderson. I like that he's going to be on the team the next few years. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a revelation. Uh, so much better than almost everybody thought he would be at this stage. And it's really good to see the future clear up for this team. There is a light at the end of the tunnel now when it comes to the end of the Marcus Hall and Mike Conley era. And the name of that light is Jaron Jackson Jr. And now with that light clear, with that scene obvious, it's really kind of cool to, to see the, the, the energy. I, I feel re-energized. Maybe it's because, and I said this on the Hasseltine show on 92.9, maybe it's because I am used to the Grizzlies being successful. I am above that fan grouping that came in in 2011 with, with the awesome run against the Spurs. And then the game six and seven great games against the Thunder the miracle push with the flooding and all that became a Grizzlies fan. And there's a lot of people like me. So I am used to the development of winning seasons and winning basketball. That's what I'm used to watching when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies. So last year was an anomaly for me. If you've been a fan since the pyramid days, if you've been a fan since they first came from Vancouver, then you think I sound crazy. But there are a lot of people like me who jumped on the Grizzlies when they first started turning things around, the big upset over the Spurs, all that. And that was the first really bad season that any of us had seen. So maybe it's just simply that they're good again that I feel re-energized. But there were games and times last year that I couldn't see the future. I thought that it was doom and gloom. I wasn't prepared for a lottery pick and being excited about a guy like I am, Jaron Jackson Jr., and the concept of him being around for eight years or so because of the advantages that come along with having somebody on your team through the draft. So between Jaron Jackson Jr., Kyle Anderson, I think, should be included in that mix. And then whoever comes along in future drafts and as money clears up from Chandler Parsons and Marcus and Mike Conley over the next few seasons, you're looking at an opportunity for a team to continue to sustain success. It's not about a window with Mark and Mike anymore. It's about sustaining success. And for the first time in a while, I feel like the Grizzlies have decided that they are not going to mortgage their future. They're not going to go out and make a, a trade for a Jeff Green type of player, giving up a first-round pick to, to try to make something 
happen that was unlikely to happen to begin with was unlikely to happen even with the acquisition of a hypothetical Bradley Beal or somebody of that ilk. They're not going to do anything that's going to hurt their long-term vision. I believe that now. They've earned my trust on that with the work they did in the offseason. And that, that's something that, given how hard I've been on them in the past, it is a big positive. And I, I can't stress that enough. I'm pretty excited about how the Grizzlies are doing. It gives you hope. And I, I'm very hopeful about this squad. You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Molinax. Uh, Jeff Calkins having some technical difficulties. He'll be joining us here shortly. Um, great show tonight. Again, Jeff will be joining us momentarily. And then Peter Edmiston in the second segment of the Athletic Memphis. And then Mark uh, King of GBB will join us in the final segment. The, the standings and the schedule really do kind of just stand out at you with what Memphis has been able to do and some of the teams they've been able to beat. And they deserve credit for that, like I've been saying. But you also have to keep the perspective of that there's challenges coming up for this Grizzlies team. The first one coming up this coming weekend. It's not going to be easy to go into New Orleans. Now, that's a New Orleans team that has Anthony Davis, who's arguably one of the, the leading candidates for MVP. Obviously, Giannis Antetokounmpo is up there as well. And then the second half of that back-to-back is back at home. But you got the Lakers. And then Monday night, the Denver Nuggets come to town. And then the Portland Trailblazers. And then the Miami Heat, Houston Rockets, Golden State Warriors, Portland again, Sacramento, Los Angeles again. So they're heading into a five- or ten-game stretch that could really define their season in a way. Because if they go two and eight, three and seven, you know, they're back to being under a 500. And in the Western Conference, you have two bad weeks. That could put you out. But at the same time, if they can somehow rattle off five or six wins against this stretch and they're able to pick off teams like a New Orleans, like a Portland, that they might be in the mix in terms of playoff tiebreakers. And again, that's why the game against the Clippers was so big. But if they can find ways to do that and have that success and sustain it, you know, that puts you at Christmas. And that's always been my mantra. Call me at Christmas. You know, I'm pretty close to being willing to say that the Grizzlies are good. <laughs> you know, and, and that might sound silly to, to some of you, but I try to be patient. I try to, I let, I try to let a team develop what their personality is going to be. I'm pretty close to saying that the Grizzlies are going to be pretty good, that, that this isn't an accident, that this isn't random success because of my, guys like Mike Conley being healthy. It's because of Mark Paul being reengaged on the defensive end. It's because of the addition of Kyle Anderson and what he brings to the table in a unique manner. It's because of Jaron Jack Jr. being so far advanced offensively than we thought he would be. All that contributes to what Memphis is and what they are right now. And that's exciting to me. And Jaron being the major surprise. Now the major disappointment for me uh, when it comes to this team is the lack of depth on the wing. Because in theory, you should have lots of depth. I mean, I'm looking at the roster here as we speak. You have Chandler Parsons, and uh, yeah, that is what it is. Garrett Temple, Dylan Brooks, Wayne Selden, Marshawn Brooks, Kyle Anderson, Omri Caspi, and then obviously the two-way player, uh, Yuta Watanabe, and then Shelvin Mack. You know, those are all guys that are perimeter players. I, I include Shelvin Mack because he has been a part of – the, the uh, rotation where he'll play alongside Mike Conley for extended minutes. 
So he he's included in that list for me. And considering the minutes that are played, there just hasn't been a ton of production. Wayne Selden struggled, uh, shooting 41% from the field, 34% overall from three. Marshawn Brooks shooting 32.5% from three. Um, you have obviously Dylan Brooks getting injured hasn't helped matters. You know, Shelvin Mack continues to kind of cool off from his red hot start. He's still shooting 40% from the arc, but he, he's cooled off considerably. There's not a ton of production behind Mark and Mike offensively, and then, of course, behind Kyle and Jaron Jackson defensively. That's not to say that Garrett and Shelvin and those other players don't have value. It is to say, though, that they're not able to sustain the level of production that they've had. So what's the answer? What do you do? Trade? Possibly. The free agent signing was Joe Kim Noah, who I think most Grizzlies fans would agree uh, has paid off in just one one game, but it, it'll be good to see him try to sustain that over, you know, two, three, five, ten games, you know, the, the back-to-back coming up. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how his minutes are kind of divided up between those two contests. So the, the wing depth, the, the situation on the wing, and that's another reason why I'm cautiously optimistic with these Grizzlies. You don't have to jump head first looking at this roster, knowing that Chandler Parsons is what he is at this point, may not play this year. Um, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it that he does play this year, but if he does, it's going to be limited minutes. Obviously, he's not going to be anywhere near what we thought he would be just going into this season, much less when he originally signed the contract. So, you pay for the sins of that signing to an extent, but you need more from the wings. Uh, and in fairness to the wings, they're playing pretty well. It's just that they may not be capable of giving you what you need if you truly want to be a contender in the playoffs. Now, as I said from the jump, I'm okay with them not being a contender in the playoffs. If they won 39 or 40 games and missed the playoffs, I'd be totally cool with that. I would be totally fine. Not everybody else would. I realize that. But I would be good with it. I would be totally cool with them missing out as long as that pick conveys. To me, that is the most important piece because it allows for your future to officially start. But if you want to try to contend this year, if you think you're a wing away, a Bradley Beal away, an Evan Fournier away, whoever it might be, comes down to what you're willing to give up. And I don't think they should be willing to give up a first-round pick. They sure as hell shouldn't be willing to give up Jaron Jackson Jr. unless somebody wants to trade uh, Paul George here or LeBron James or somebody like that, and obviously that's not going to happen. But that's the value I place on Jaron Jackson and what he can be. Which is funny because I was one of the loudest – non-supporters of the pick initially, not because I didn't think he'd ever be good, but because I thought it would take a while. And clearly, it, uh, it did not take as long as we thought it would. Forgive me here. Working through some technical stuff. Grizzly Bear Blues Live again. I am your host, Joe Molinax. And um, it looks like Jeff Calkins will not be able to join us tonight. I apologize for that some technical issues with Jeff. We'll get those things straightened out and uh, have him back on down the road. Um, so we'll be moving into the next segment here momentarily with Peter Edmiston. Uh, I was going to talk to Jeff about those uh, successes and surprises and disappointments. Also, whether or not Mike Conley was an all-star. And I think that if you look at Mike Conley's stats, 
he, he's putting up some all-star numbers, but he, again, the Western Conference is loaded, and it just got more loaded. You know, DeMar DeRozan being in the conference, LeBron obviously being in the conference will take up a spot. It's not like it's gotten easier to make the Western Conference playoffs. Now, Jimmy Butler going from the West to the East certainly helps. Um, but it's going to be tough for Mike, even with the, the success that he's had. Uh, it really is uh, pretty interesting to kind of see how it's all worked out for Mike. And we'll bring in Jeff Calkins. I think we might have figured out what's going on here. Jeff, how are you doing, sir? Jeff Calkins of the, of the Daily Memphian and of 92.9 FM ESPN Memphis. Jeff, how are you doing? Well, Joe, you were so gracious. You've been on my radio show so many times. And so whenever a guest uh, is late to show up to my radio show, I'm in a semi-panic. So I'm deeply apologetic. <laughs> I had something come up that I could not get away from. And so literally I was giving a speech and they wouldn't let me off the dais. And so I'm, I'm, I'm finally free and I apologize profoundly the good thing is Peter Edison is going to rescue y'all, but I'm here for, for however long you still want to keep me, and I apologize <laughs> for being late. Um, but uh, I had a speech at 7, and I thought it would be done by 8, but they, they just now let me off today, so uh, I apologize. Um, it's okay. But anyway, so, yeah. Good. We're uh, talking about I, Mike Conley and All-Star. And yeah, it's an interesting. Still be Mike. Was, Obviously, was, he's got the role in but... Yeah, I, you know, to me, you would, the problem is, like, who's not going to make it, right? So Harden's going to make it, right? Lillard's going to make sure. it. Would, would you have to agree with those? Now, right. Russ, Russ and Steph, who have both been injured, but they're both going to make it, right? I think so. So, so you've got Russ and Steph and Harden and Lillard clearly going to make it, those four. So we have two more guards. I would. I think that's fair to say. Yes. And so that would be Demar. Here, you tell me who makes it. Demar, Booker, Clay, McCollum, Mike. You get to pick two of those. Demar, averaging twenty-four points a game. Booker, Clay, McCollum, or Mike. Well, I think history tells you that Clay Thompson will probably be one of them, uh, whether it's deserved or not. Clay seems to be in that mix consistently. Uh, I would hope Mike would be the second one other than that, but that doesn't necessarily, you know, Devin Booker obviously having a good year, DeMar DeRozan having a good year. It, it kind of comes down to how it all plays out, and obviously the Spurs are down. The Suns aren't what they hoped they would be. I obviously, that helps the- more. I, I, I do think, I think what Mike has going for him is, I think probably in that group, I would imagine he would make it because I think you're right. I think Clay makes it, but then the fact that that Demar is not on as good a team, that Booker is not on is not on, and is young. Like I, I do think there will be a sense that Mike deserves. It's not a lifetime achievement award, but there is a right. sense of if it's close, he's never been on. And not only that, you are seeing vividly this year the difference between what the Grizzlies are with him and without him, right? It couldn't be more vivid. Um, And so for those reasons, I think he would get that last spot. Plus, of course, you can't rule out the fact that there might be another injury or whatever. You could have someone pull out, whatever, whatever. So I think if I were a betting man at this point, I would say that Mike will likely be on, will be on the team. But I don't think it's a, I don't, I certainly don't think it's a given. I do think it's, it's, I think it's his best shot yet. 
the best shot yet is a very fair way to put it. I would agree with that. He'll, he'll be one of those last two spots still, even if he's more deserving than someone else. Uh, but you look at the Western Conference, the, the fact that the Grizzlies are playing better basketball and the fact, like you said, it, it's clearer more now than it ever has been. Not, it, Grizzlies fans have always kind of known it from watching, but without Mike Conley, Memphis is just lost. We're joined here by Jeff Calkins of the Daily Memphian, also of 92.9 FM ESPN Memphis. Follow him on Twitter if you don't already do so at Jeff underscore Calkins. Uh, Jeff, you're a busy man. No need to apologize or anything like that. We'll get you out of here on this. Uh, the, the idea of this start, okay, because, again, you and I have talked, like you said, I've been on your show before. You're a friend of GBB here on the podcast, and uh, you, you speak nicely of the blog, which I appreciate. Um, so we've been around the block a time or two at this stage in our relationship, and it, it's good to see Memphis having success, but at the same time, it feels like the bottom's going to fall out at some point, at least for me. Maybe it's the, the cloud of last season. You know, I, I don't live in Memphis anymore, so maybe the penny positivity hasn't fully engaged me from the Tigers, and, and maybe I'm just still feeling the, the blues from what the Grizzlies were. But it, I just feel like you look at this roster, before you humped, hopped on, I talked about how Shelvin Mack and Garrett Temple, a lot of these guys have played well to really, really well, and especially in the case of a Shelvin Mack, kind of coming back to what they have been throughout their careers. Role players, decent role players, but, but not guys that can help contribute beyond that. Um, Garrett Temple is a good three-point shooter, and I think he can sustain that. But in terms of being a score, 15, 16 points a game, I don't think that's sustainable. So anyway, um, you, you look at this team, and you look at the rest of the West. and the current standings of the Western Conference, you have a soup. You have the Denver Nuggets, which are loaded with talent. Obviously, the Thunder have the two superstars, Westbrook and George. You've got the Clippers who are playing really good ball. The Grizzlies just beat them, but the Clippers are a pretty good team. Golden State's the four seed right now, which certainly isn't going to continue. You would imagine LeBron and the Lakers will continue to get better. And then the Portland Trailblazers and the Dallas Mavericks are behind the Grizzlies uh, for the seven and eight spots. You have the Sacramento Kings, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Utah Jazz, the Houston Rockets. 13 teams in the Western Conference either at or within a game of a 500 record. So that's 13 teams that are going to be in this conversation the entire way through for only eight spots. I have a hard time believing that Memphis is going to be able to sustain this. Maybe I'm just being negative and you can convince me that I'm wrong and I need to be more positive, Jeff. Do you see this as sustainable? Well, I mean, it depends on what you're looking. The bottom will ultimately drop out of this franchise when – First of all, it's unquestionably true that there's less buzz about the Grizzlies this year um, than in the Halcyon days. It's just true. Partly the penny thing. Uh, and, um, and then partly um, it's the same cast of characters. It's not, though, because of Jaron. But it feels a little – coming into the year, it felt like that, with some solid but not inspiring additions, right? Like that's, that's how you would characterize it. So that's true. And ultimately they're going to have to deal with the loss of Mark and Mike and – they will recycle and having one really good player, which is what Jaron Jackson is, could be budding star, um, appears to be, um, isn't going to be enough to, to keep you from scraping the bottom again. So ultimately the bottom will drop out in terms of this year. I don't like, do I, would I at this point predict they will make the playoffs? I think still probably no. Um, but what I, um, what I, my goal coming into this year was, um, Twofold. Be competitive. Um, don't have another year like last year where the games don't mean anything. So be competitive um, and be 
be good enough to convey the pick to Boston and develop, in the meantime, Jaron Jackson in the future. And I think right now, those are my goals coming in. That's what I wanted for this team. And I think right now, there's no evidence that they're not going to be competitive, that they're not going to be entertaining, and that they um, – and, 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 and very clearly, Jaron Jackson is a revelation. Um, I think um, – and I think those things are all sustainable. Is it sustainable that they stay – uh, in fifth or sixth or whatever, as opposed to ninth. Well, I think the problem, I think the likelihood is they will be caught. So on the third quarter last night, they couldn't score. Um, they just don't have what they need is a, some perimeter scoring, and particularly with Dylan Brooks out. Not that he's Kobe, but but I think they miss it. Um, but I don't see any reason why they, they can't be remain competitive. And I do think that um, I think it's it the, the the front office deserves immense credit for. Um, a summer when heck, I remember you on draft night. I remember coming on the show and um, saying that I think people were being way too hard on Jackson Jackson Jr. and that I thought he was going to be a good pick, and he has turned out to be. There were people who complained that they didn't do a national search for JB Bickerstaff's gig, and I thought it was totally reasonable to hire JB, and I think they've been proven right in that. I think the Kyle Anderson deal looks pretty good right now. I think the, the Garrett Temple deal like just looks like a bargain right now. Um, so far, I mean, the Noah thing was inspirational. Who knows how it's going to play out? So I think they, I think it's totally sustainable for them to be competitive throughout the rest of the year. And to me, given that was my goal to begin with, I'm cool with that. And if they make the playoffs on top of it, well, that would be fantastic. But I, I don't – that's not my boss. I'm exactly on the same wavelength as you. I agree with the, the goals being competitiveness – and the conveying of the pick, I've said that all along as well. I'm one of the ones that questioned the JB hiring. I have to agree that it looks like that's paid off to this point. There's still things that he does that are frustrating, but in fairness to him, that's every coach that's ever coached basketball or any sport for that matter. Um, so he, he definitely has the ear of the veterans. You can tell that Mark Gasol is more engaged. Obviously, Mike Conley playing is a, a huge benefit. And, and I do think that the two goals that you and I share for this group, the the idea of them – conveying the pick to Boston and them remaining in the playoff hunt. I think it could very conceivably be them ending into April only being two games out of the eight or seven seed. I think that's certainly possible. Don't necessarily see them finishing out that way. Jeff, thank you so much for your time. Let me ask you one question. question. Please. So this is the question that that Gary asked Gary Parrish asked me on his show today. So Nate Silver originally had him winning 32 games and now he has him winning 42 games. Right. And the question is, um, is this, if you could lock in 42 wins um, or get what, or take whatever's behind door number three, would you take your 42 wins? I'm to the point now, this is how optimistic I am, that I sort of assume that they're going to end up somewhere between 38 and 42 wins anyway. I wouldn't, if you offered me 42 wins, I wouldn't take it because I think there's some chance that they're going to get 45 or 44 and be in the playoffs. Yeah, I wouldn't take it either. Uh, my projection for them was 39 wins to start the season. I'm going to stay by that until they pass it. Um, but, no, I wouldn't take whatever's behind that door because I agree with okay. you. I think that they could certainly well, I would take get to 44, 45 I would wins. I yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks for being late. I can't wait to listen to what Peter has to say. Thanks. No problem. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate you. There he goes. Thank Once you, again, Jeff, Jeff Calkins, yeah. one of the busiest men in Memphis, so, so no hard feelings on that. I appreciate his time, uh, Jeff, heading out. The Daily Memphian, make sure you're following him on Twitter at Jeff underscore Calkins. I have a Daily Memphian subscription. Highly valuable, wonderful thing to have uh, for Jeff Calkins, Chris Harrington, Jonah Jordan on the Tigers. 
uh, all sorts of great writers over there over at the Daily Memphian. So make sure you're giving Jeff a follow. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. We carry on. My name is Joe Mullinex. I'm the host of this show. I'm the site manager of grizzlybearblues.com, and I'm very grateful for that opportunity to be that host. And before we bring in our next guest, I do want to point out one obvious thing, or at least it's obvious to me, and maybe it's not obvious to everybody else, but Dylan Brooks is missed. And I'll talk to Peter a little bit more about that here momentarily, but Dylan Brooks is missed. He's a guy that I think they, if they can get him back on the floor in the next couple of weeks, give him a month or so to get integrated back onto the team, they can see if he can be the guy to be that scorer for them. And again, he's not going to be like Jeff said, he's not going to be Kobe. He's not even going to be, you know, (laughs) he may not be what Chandler Parsons was going to be, you know, 16 point a game score. But if he can come in and be a consistent 12 or 13 points per game score, and he can replace the minutes of a Marshawn Brooks, I think that that's going to be a big plus for this team. And obviously even eat into some of the minutes of Shelvin Mack and guys like that, you know, you're depending a lot on a second round pick, but Dylan Brooks showed a lot of flashes of what he's capable of doing. So his absence has really hurt Memphis, maybe more than others have talked about. I know uh, our next guest has talked about that a little bit, and I'm excited to talk to him about his boy, Jaron Jackson Jr. He's probably been waiting for this day. Uh, for some time, um, he is the co-host of the Wolo and Peter show on Sports 56 WHBQ in Memphis. He also is a writer for The Athletic uh, and their Memphis group, their Memphis branch. He does a great job with them. Um, and he is the leader, in my opinion, of the Jaron Jackson Brigade. Uh, his name is Peter Edmiston. Peter, how are you doing, sir? Welcome back to GBB Live. Well, hello there, Joe. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. You must be doing pretty well these days. Uh, you, you look very right, sir. Very right indeed. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's 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 all it's all gone according to plan. I think it's fair to say yes. um, at, at this point. So uh, actually, it's all it's all really ahead of plan. Right. Kind of. Um, <clears throat> I really can't even. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to even really begin to uh, comprehend you know, what we've seen <laughs> thus far from uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. And I, I would like to take credit uh and so i will no, no i would like to i would like to i would like to take credit for uh for having you know this kind of foresight about what would happen but i i i didn't even see this level of offensive capability coming um the you know his 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 offense is is really you know um, so far ahead of where i thought it would be it's crazy and uh, and he's just scratching the surface. So I, I mean, really, I, I don't. You have to just kind of recalibrate everything about your expectations at this point. Absolutely, I think it's very realistic to say that him and Luka Doncic are are right there, one and two, perhaps in, in the Rookie of the Year conversation. I have his numbers in front of me, Peter, and I know you've done a deeper dive than than the basic numbers, but just per game, uh, shooting almost fifty two percent from the field, about thirty four and a half percent from three. Uh, two blocks a game, one steal, 4.6 rebounds. You'd like to see that be a little bit higher. But the most important number and something that we need to continue to keep in perspective when we look at what Jaron Jackson is doing right now is the number 19, and that's his age. And he's a young 19. Like, he just turned 19 in September, I'm pretty sure. So you're, you're looking at a guy 
who is, like you said, just scratching the surface of what he's capable of. And I flew in for the draft, and I talked with you for a little bit, and you could tell that I was frustrated, and I appreciated you <laughs> taking some time to chat with me. And, and you, you really thought that he was a young man that was capable of doing more than I thought he was, because my beef was never with him in terms of he'd never be good. My beef was I thought they were taking a guy for the future, and they were so hell-bent on trying to be better now. That was my frustration. And it turns out, and as you put it there, you thought that he was going to be better than I did from the beginning, but he's been better than just about everybody has thought he would be, especially offensively. I mean, this is a kid who, you, you look at his advanced numbers, is just through the roof in so many different places. And he was that to an extent in college, especially on the defensive side of the floor. But he, he's just so much better offensively than he was given credit for. And it's not like he has a low usage rate. I mean, he's one of the leaders on the Grizzlies in terms of usage. So maybe he's not used consistently the way that he should be, or especially in crunch time minutes. And I know you've written about that a little bit. But he, he's a guy who it's not like he's doing this in flashes. You know, he's a focus of the Grizzlies and he's having this success on a good basketball team. That's another thing. You rarely see a rookie on a good basketball team be a legitimate threat. And that's what Jaron Jackson is. And that's a big reason why the Grizzlies are where they are right now. I mean, it, it, it's just, this is where, you know, it kind of gets, gets crazy because yeah, uh, he is a young, um, very young, 19. You know, September 20, September 15th was his birthday. So, you know, uh, about a week or so before reporting for a training camp, you know, he turned 19. Uh, so he was 18 all through the summer when guys were working with him, and uh, everyone just raved about what he was doing at that point. And, you know, he's still kind of figuring out. When he was in the summer league, he was 18, you know, doing his thing. And you have to go back to, you know, LeBron and those kind of guys that were in, in the league at 18 and doing stuff like that. And he's as close as you can possibly be to being in the league at 18 with all the, the, the NBA's new uh, age requirements and stuff like that. So he, he's, he's about as young as it gets um, for a, a big time player. And, you know, he's like so far beyond, um, you know, ready to handle the continual ramping up of the challenges that face you in the NBA. Every, every game is a little bit harder, a little bit trickier, uh, as as teams start to scout you, uh, you have different challenges, uh, and he's he's really even keeled. And, and when you talk to when you talk to him, um, he's very 19. I mean, he's a very much a 19 year old. So you know he's um, ex, you know he's extremely into the new music, the you know Fortnite, the whatever you know social media platforms are he are are paramount to him, but. When you talk basketball to him, he's he comes across as like a thirty-year-old. He he just all of a sudden kind of changes his demeanor when he's on the court. He changes his demeanor. I mean, he is he's he's a goofball in every way except basketball, which is pretty amazing to think about. So you know, when he when he joins a team that's ready to win now and it has veterans that are not messing around, you know, Marcus will be thirty-four next month. You know, he's not in the mood to you know just you know spend a few years. Uh, babying Jaron Jackson. He tried that with Deontay Davis already. That didn't really work. Jaron Jackson's a million times better than Deontay Davis, but, you know, same kind of thing. He's not He's not going to do that with a kid that he doesn't believe in. And, you know, he sort of jumped off Deontay's train pretty early. He absolutely loves Jaron. Talked to Joe Kim Noah last night about Jaron, and, and he was raving about uh, how good, you know, Jaron is. And, and, and he's just had a few practices to kind of get to know him and, you know, get get used to him a little bit. He's it's, it's it's really 
you kind of just you, you shake your head. I mean, and, and as I wrote about in, you know, in the Athletic today, um, I'm doing kind of a monthly check-in on his progress. And in the monthly check-in, you know, he he had that 36-point crazy game against Brooklyn, um, but he'd never before at any point in his career scored more than 30 points in a game. Not in college, not in high school, never, never. So the first time he does it is on the road in the NBA, you know, highlighted by a seven-point outburst in 12 seconds to tie the game with two crazy threes. That had never happened before in any point in his career. So when you start putting stuff like that out there, then it tells you that there really is no – I don't know what the ceiling is. I mean, when a, when a 19-year-old has his first 36-point game, first time he's over 30 – at, at this stage, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you do? How, how do you even like quantify that? I mean, it's it, it's it's crazy. And so I tried my best. Uh, you know, I encourage people to read the whole thing. But um, at, at the end, I kind of looked at that usage, like you're talking about. You know, he's at 23% usage right now, which is pretty high, particularly for a rookie. Um, and if you look at guys that have his true shooting percentage, uh, he's, he's over 60% true shooting. That accounts for. Um, free throws and three-point shots, as well as just field goals. So it kind of incorporates all of your aspects of shooting. Um, there, you look at the guys that have had a 23% or more usage rate while shooting 60% or better uh, true shooting, which he is doing right now, and blocking at least two shots per game, which he is also doing right now. The guys that have done that, Kareem, Shaq, David Robinson, Yao, Kevin McHale, Anthony Davis, Patrick Ewing, Artis Gilmore, Mari Stoudemire. That's it. And wow. he's, he's there right now. Now, again, that's the quarter of a season in and whatever, but it's the first quarter of his season, and he's putting those numbers up. In addition, you know, over the last two or three weeks, he's put up shooting splits that are 56% from the field, 44% from three, 83% from the free throw line. So he's getting – he's in the neighborhood of 50, 40, 90, which is <laughs> the realm of Steph Curry – Larry Bird, right. Kevin Durant. Steve Kerr, et cetera, Kevin Durant. He's, he's in both of those departments at the same time at the age of 19. So when you start even kind of just, just thinking about that stuff, like it, it, it's, he's truly a unicorn. Like, and, and, he, and when you watch him play, you can see he's just, he just is scratching the surface. Like he doesn't even know like what he's doing out there yet. Um, when he figures that out and when it really starts to slow down, I, I mean, again, it's – Fingers crossed, everything goes okay, and, you know, whatever. You can never predict the future. But, my God, like, he looks – everything points to an incredible, incredible career. Yeah. I mean, I have his – again, shout-out to basketballreference.com. Everybody uh, who who is in my line of work as a blogger, and Peter, obviously, as as an actual writer, um, it's it's the Bible – his field goal percentage by distance, okay? So his field goal percentage on field goal attempts, this is from zero to three feet from the basket. He is at 76.9%, uh, which is just awesome. I mean, that compares to Marcus Hall, who's at 71.1%. You know, obviously bigs are naturally going to be a little bit better at that, but, you know, it's pretty remarkable what he's doing at the age of 19, especially offensively. I'm sure you saw it, Peter, and it probably made you very upset when you read it. Um, I wrote an article because the past week or so, you know, Grizzlies fans and bloggers and Grizz Twitter gets bored and uh, come up with ideas for trades and stuff. And uh, Bradley Beal uh, was a major topic the past week and a half or so. And it inspired me 
to, to write an article about what exactly is the worth of Jaron Jackson Jr. at this stage. Uh, his l- worth in terms of what I would take back in a trade. Um, I said I would take back the following. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Giannis, uh, the Greek freak, Anthony Davis, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Jimmy Butler, which I acknowledge is a bit of a stretch, and then Jason Tatum as well, a, a bit of a stretch. I think those first six are pretty solid, and you can cut the other two if you'd like. Uh, that's just my personal list. Uh, but, but even if you include all eight, that's the list to me. And, and I think if you stick with that first six, that's literally six of the top eight or nine best players in the entire NBA. Now, again, that's assuming, as I say in the article, you're not trading for Steph Curry because you're keeping Mike Conley. You're not trading for Joel Embiid because you're keeping Mark Gasol. It doesn't make a ton of sense to trade Jaron unless you're trying to maximize the Mike and Mark framework of uh, team building. And then even then, it doesn't make a ton of sense to trade Jaron. It was just a fun exercise. So I'm curious as to your list. I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit. Um, Maybe there are less names than that. Uh, Maybe there's fewer. Maybe you would still trade for an Embiid or a Steph Curry, uh, despite Mark or Mike. Um, Who do you think is worth Jaron Jackson Jr. 20-plus games into his NBA career? Hypothetically. I mean, if if I'm being honest, like nobody. I I wouldn't trade him for any of those guys Um, because it doesn't match your – like what you're you're really going to do. I mean, I I don't think this team at this stage, as much as it would be nice to have, um, you know, some of those guys you're talking about. And I mean, I guess, you know, I would, I would, the Giannis and Anthony Davis would be the ones that I would be the most intrigued by. Uh, LeBron would be great, but again, you're talking about, you know, at his age, you know, you're, you're, you're really closing up a window. If we're all in this hypothetical realm of, you know, wonder world where this, something like this could theoretically even happen, uh, which is totally hundred percent impossible. Um, I would say those are the guys, the young guys like that, that have that kind of talent. Those are the ones that I would want to be part of. And, you know, that, that's, that's really it. Nobody else that I, I think could, could, I couldn't, I couldn't justify Jimmy Butler. Um, I, I couldn't really justify any of those guys, to be quite honest with you, because I, I think Jaron's the top end talent that you're looking at is so high that um, you want to maximize it. You want to just let that, let that thing run. I mean, see what happens. Um, and, and he's in a really good environment to thrive right now. If you go, if you get, if you get Giannis, for example, okay. If we're dealing with it, like as if the contracts are right now, if you're dealing with the contracts as they are right now, you've got the same problem that Milwaukee's got where, if you don't start to win and compete ASAP, you know, within the next two or three years, you're going to start to have all the rumors, the I'm ready to leave, all this stuff, thing to get, the things that go along with the small market superstar. Same thing with Anthony Davis, you know, who is basically this summer is going to be either signing an extension with New Orleans or he'll likely be somewhere else. Um, they, it's kind of a, you know, fish or cut bait situation. With Jaron, at least right now, you you still have those four years plus the extension years. You basically got, you know, eight or nine years um, to figure something out, to transition out of Mark and Mike and whatever into Jaron plus blank. And that's a better position for you to be in. I don't think that this – I don't think Mike, Mark, and um, Giannis – I don't – I'm not sure that beats, you know, the Warriors. 
Um, and, and that would be the only reason you would even consider something like that would be like, I'm going to win the title this year. I, I don't know that that's realistic, even in that scenario. So uh, I, I wouldn't do it. I mean, again, none of this is even remotely on, on any planet. It would never, ever, 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 ever happen. <laughs> ever. Ever. Uh, let me say ever four or five more times. But since we're just oh, purely in a theoretical Let realm, fun. Let me no. I mean, fun. if you want to, if you, I mean, if you want to go theoretical, great. Like I said, I, I mean, this yeah. that's theoretically what I would say. Um, and the Bradley Bill thing again. That, that, that that's also not going to happen. I mean, that would, and I would not even, wouldn't even. <sighs> listen, I like Bradley Bill. I think he's a, he's a good player. But you know, the the level of talent that you could have with Jaron again. That, this is obviously you know. We'll see. I mean, it's it may be that this is just a incredibly hot start, and you know he may not develop quite uh, to that level. Maybe he just ends up being a good, solid player and not a you know Tim Duncan 2.0. Um, but that's still the, the 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 way you can build the framework. You can win with that guy if he turns into Al Horford. That's pretty good, right? You can win with a complimentary big who is able to defend his position really well. Uh, both in the perimeter and in the paint. And then whatever else he gives you in the offensive end is, is gravy. He's already basically there, pretty much. You know, he and Mark, that's the, that's the best the defensive twosome in the league uh, over the last six weeks. Uh, uh, in the league, I mean, everybody. Go, go up and down the list. So, and he's 19. Again, so you would think he would get even better in that regard. I, you know, I just, I'm not, I'm not even, the, the, the Grizzlies are, it's, it's, a, it's a miracle that they've got him. Uh, they have usually screwed these things up so badly that they managed to get this one absolutely spot on. So I wouldn't move him uh, for basically anything. Win shares for 48 minutes, 0.157 for Mark Gasol leads the team. Second place on the team, 0.156 is Jaron Jackson. He's in front of Mike Conley. He's in front of Kyle Anderson. He, he And he's 19 years old. He, he's 15 years younger than Mark Gasol. I, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, you make a fair argument and the hashtag trust Peter movement has won me over. It, it's just pretty amazing to see what he's capable of and to consider how much better he could get, even if he just stays where he's at, essentially, if, if sustaining this and without having foul trouble is his ceiling, um, that that's a, a pretty, pretty damn good basketball player that you can build around. Well, we're finishing up here with Peter Edmiston of the athletic uh, for Memphis, as well as uh, sports 56 WHPQ in Memphis. Follow him on Twitter at Peter Edmiston. I want to get a quick take here, Peter, on um, the job that JB Bickerstaff is doing. I was talking with Jeff a little bit earlier and I was one of those guys who was hesitant about not doing a more national search, not bringing in more people to try to pick their brains, that sort of thing. But the Grizzlies were pretty hell bent and set on having their man, um, and to this point, in fairness, it looks like that is justified. Uh, his treatment of Jaron Jackson's foul trouble has certainly been a topic of conversation uh, among many folks. Um, he, he does some interesting things set-wise. He goes away from everybody that isn't named Mike Conley in the fourth quarter, it seems. So th- there's some stuff that people can disagree with, but that's with any coach. Uh, how would you grade the first quarter of – J.B. Bickerstaff's first season as a full head coach, not having to be an interim coach. It's his show. Yeah, I think I think overall um, he's done a good job. I would I would say he's done better than I expected him to do. Um, 
you know, I was one of the guys that, that thought that they should search uh, a bit more, that, that there was no reason just to immediately take the interim tag off and not even interview any other candidates. That to me, as much as I, I like JB personally, and uh, as much as I think he's got a good basketball mind, he's not, to me, he wasn't at that level where you say, well, he just, we just got to bring this guy in. But as we're seeing with like, you know, Nick Nurse in Toronto, um, it's about fit. You know, Nick Nurse is not, he was a, you know, highly touted, well-regarded, you know, lead assistant uh, under Dwayne Casey and, and had, you know, experience, um, you know, in a number of different, different capacities, but, you know, you wouldn't have thought, oh my God, you got to put Nick Nurse in and he's going to take the Raptors to a different level, but really he he's done a great job and he's experimented with their lineups and done a lot of different things that Dwayne Casey might not have done. Obviously a healthy Kawhi certainly helps, but uh, he's he's messed around with that bench and he's got them playing at a, a super elite level. You know, it's it's kind of reminiscent of you know Steve Kerr uh, being able to kind of upgrade on what Mark Jackson did. So, you know, the the assistant can jump in as long as the fit is right. And in this case, I think the fit was really right, and that's that's something that I probably undervalued when talking about JB. The the fit with with the relationship that he has you know with everybody in that locker room he gets along you know very well and and, and I think get along like you know it wasn't about getting along with with Fisdale so much as it was just kind of a business partnership and how they saw basketball and their you know interpersonal dealings on a kind of a business level um, you know it's JB's got all that taken care of but he empowers those guys in a different sort of way. And he, he kind of allows them to set the tone. He doesn't dictate to them the way that Fisdale did how to lead. He lets them lead, and, and, and they're more low-key guys. They're not rah-rah. You know, Fisdale made Gasol the, the, the solo captain, trying to, you know, generate some kind of rah-rah, big-time, you know, vocal captain guy, and, and that's not Mark. JB gets Mark. He understands that. He lets him be much more low-key with, with what he does, and he's really allowed those guys to lead. So – if you're going to be a successful coach in the NBA, you've got to uh, get your locker room on board and you have to get those guys playing together and playing for whatever it is that you want to, to, to build. And the Grizzlies are doing that for JB. So that's step number one from a strategic standpoint. I mean, I think um, he's, he's done, he's done. Okay. There've been some, some stuff I would quibble with some of his use of bench players. Um, you know, I think the, the lack of credible wing depth uh, is problematic, although you're seeing some good signs from Marshawn Brooks lately. Losing Dylan Brooks was definitely a problem in, the, in that area, although Dylan's not that good. He's got the Quincy Pondexter syndrome of, you know, when he's out for a while, people overrate just how good he is. Like, I think he's good, but let's not go crazy you know, when he comes back. Um, I think that's been okay. The, the, the minutes he's worked Mike and Mark a little too hard, and I think you're seeing that with Mark of late. He's struggling. He had a terrible game uh, last night, and I think he's kind of feeling the effect of it. He just looks tired to me. You, you, as much as those guys want to play, and if you let them dictate it fully, they'll play a lot, especially Mark. So you kind of have to be you know, a little demonstrative with him and, and make sure he doesn't overdo it. I think he's overdone it. So they need to back that off, and you saw a little bit more with that rotation there. The, the Jaron stuff, I don't, I don't get worried about. I think people overplay that. He's got a great relationship with Jaron. I think he really expects a lot of him. Again, he's a 19-year-old, as you mentioned, who's on a winning team. It's very, very, very unusual status of being a 19-year-old. And not only that, being not a wing. Because the guys that have been 19 have been wings. You know, Donovan Mitchells, Jason Tatums, 
who were on winning teams, but wings are different. They kind of dictate things a little bit. Their, their roles are different. He's a defensive-oriented uh, big who happens to be getting more offense than you would have thought. But that's really first and foremost. There's very few of those guys who are 19. The responsibility level is different, and they've put a lot on his shoulders. And I think he's learned a lot. I think he's grown. and he's gotten better, uh, quite a bit better. So I would give some credit to JB and the coaching staff for that. I think he's put, got an outstanding coaching staff he's put together. So overall, to me, honestly, Joe, I think he's, he thinks he's doing a pretty good job. I, I can't, I can't quibble with too much. I'd, I'd give him a solid B at this point, B plus. Um, you know, there, there are, like I said, little, you know, ticky tack things here and there, but the big stuff he's gotten right, and that's uh, the most important thing. You are what your record says you are, Bill Parcells uh, once famously said, and. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think JB's done pretty well, and I also agree that you have to be impressed with the coaching staff they've assembled and the way that they're interacting. It's just a much healthier environment than it was with David Fisdale uh, for multiple reasons that we don't have time to get into right now, but perhaps for another show down the road. Peter Edmiston, thank you so much for your patience, your flexibility, all the great work you do on the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, it is much appreciated. Hopefully you get some uh, some of that GBB bump, as we love to talk about. And, of course, we'll have you back on down the road. Yeah, man, I want that GBB bump. And uh, big shouts to my guy, Omari Sankofa, helping me out with the athletic uh, as well uh, as we're Absolutely. You know, trying to expand. A lot of great coverage for, for Grizzlies fans out there. So uh, I, don't, I don't want you to subscribe to the athletic at the exclusion of everybody else. I just want you to subscribe to everything and uh, have I- us be one of them. I think that as the Grizzlies, you know, kind of become more prominent, obviously Jaron Jackson Jr., you guys may have noticed this. Uh, our shout-outs to everybody out there. Our numbers are looking pretty good over at GBB. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. I think that things are expanding a little bit uh, for us. So, you know, the Daily Memphian, the Athletic, you know, GBB obviously is a little bit different. But th- there's a lot of good content out there for a Grizzlies fans. Well, I can, I'm, you guys I can tell you, I mean, the, the Jaron thing, the Jaren thing is real. Like the Jaren bump is Absolutely. real. Um, I mean, I, I, I've had, you know, I, I published, we published my Jaren piece uh, like this, like around lunchtime. And I've probably had almost as many views and uh, you know, all the engagement numbers and all that stuff are probably already almost to the point that my first one was at, which was a month ago. And it's, you know, it's been up, that one's been up for three or four weeks or whatever. And you know, this, this one is probably going to do those numbers in less than 24 hours, what that did in like three weeks. So people are definitely like picking up the, the Jaren steam quite a bit. Um, and so I, I, you know, for anybody out there, you're looking for that content, you're looking for, you know, publish something about Jaren. It seems to, uh, yes. it seems to be quite popular these days. It, or it or, working, or failing that, Yuta, Yuta Watanabe. If you want some Japanese people to read your stuff, <laughs> Yuta will, oh my God, that will, that will, yes. you'll blow your mind. It's incredible what you get. Well, uh, spoiler alert, my next post is going to be what is the worth of Yuta Watanabe? And it'll be interesting That's to see how Japan uh, comes and attacks oh, me. Um, yeah, I just, just for some free advice, Joe, uh, next, <laughs> next, next time out, can, can you just do a, do a piece called Can Yuta Watanabe Be the Next Year in Jackson Jr.? And you're going to – that's just going <laughs> to blow everything up. That's one, you're just going to explode. I can't no, wait. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Peter, thank you so much, buddy. Like I said, we'll have you back on down the road. Continued success to you. Congratulations. You're doing great work over there. And um, uh, I look forward to all the great stuff you're going to do moving forward. And as always, say, man, shouts to all you guys uh, over at GBB. Uh, I know you kind of put the whole thing like real writer or whatever. Now, you guys are real writers. 
just like we are, and you put in a lot of work. Everyone puts in a lot of work over there. So uh, shouts to you guys. I enjoy your stuff, and uh, it, it's terrific. Peter Edmiston is the man. Thank you, Peter. Have a good night. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. There he goes, Peter Edmiston, uh, one of my very favorite guests to have on the program, one of the most educated and knowledgeable basketball folks out there, regardless of community. Obviously, uh, we're, we're Grizzlies-centric, but he, he, he could write about any team and be pretty darn good. So that's Peter Edmiston. Follow him on Twitter if you don't already do so, at Peter Edmiston. We're going to jump right into our final segment of the show here. Again, a little bit behind because of the, uh, the delay with Jeff, but we're going to bring on the uh, the host of Locked On Grizzlies. Everybody on the show tonight, I realize I've been away for a while, has a new title. You know, Jeff Calkins obviously now with the Daily Memphian and, and Peter with The Athletic. And now we've got the host of Locked On Grizzlies, obviously still with us over here at GBB. Uh, Mr. Mark King joins the podcast. Welcome back to GBB Live, sir. Uh, and congratulations to you on the gig with Locked On Grizzlies. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I, I'm a... I'm a... I'm a pleased to be on such a big show tonight. I'm up with the, uh, the big boys. And, uh, I don't know about that. I appreciate that, man. I'm not. No. <laughs> See, everybody likes to – you do this as long as I have, and you people have to at least <laughs> understand that you exist is where I'm at. I'm, I, would, I would not Absolutely. say that it's a big show. Uh, but I've literally been doing this for seven years now, which is insane. Um, but anyway – uh, thanks for coming on, Mark. I, I appreciate your time, and I know you're busy. You're getting ready to go on a big trip uh, with the family. So taking some time out with me here is appreciated, and I'll get you in and out pretty quick. Um, <laughs> we talked about this a little bit on Locked on Grizzlies. I have a weekly segment on that great podcast. Make sure you're subscribing so you're not missing an episode with Mark. Um, I do a weekly segment with you there, and we talked a little bit about the the idea of – Joe Kim Noah coming in, looking engaged, looking like he can maybe take a little bit more time away from Mark. Uh, I know you were listening there for a while to what Peter was talking about. He's exactly right. You let Marcus all play however many minutes he wants to play, and he'll try to play 48 minutes a night, and that's not sustainable for Mark. Um, but the fact that he is that engaged right now under J.B. Bickerstaff's regime is pretty impressive considering what we saw from him, obviously, with David Fisdale. And then even at moments when JB was running the show on an interim basis last year, in a down season, everybody could admire Mark and the work he was doing. I wouldn't say that he's dogging it by any stretch of the imagination last year, but you could certainly tell he was frustrated. He was not fully himself. Now, this is the Marcus Gasol that we saw during his Defensive Player of the Year run. This is the Marcus Gasol that we've seen when he's at his very best taking the shooting numbers out of it a little bit. And I agree with Peter. I think he's a little worn down, but in terms of the defensive end, especially Mark Gasol is locked in and it's fun to watch Mark Gasol being locked in again. Yeah. I mean, to be quite honest, I don't think we've ever seen this version of Mark Gasol. You know, he's better uh, defensively than he was than when he won that defensive player of the year. Um, he's better, you know, he's just as good shooting three balls. He was a couple of years ago. He's, he's rebounding the, rebounding the ball at a rate that, he hasn't done it in a long, long time. So, you know, I'm not sure we've ever seen this version of Mark. And he, like you said, he he is locked in. Uh, but, it, you know, it goes along with the players that he's playing with. Mark is a guy who loves to play with, you know, smart basketball players. That's the way he plays. He plays the game, he, what he, you know, what he believes right or wrong, whatever you think about it, as the right way. And, you know, it goes a long way whenever you're starting five is, is a group of guys who are super smart basketball players who are constantly trying to improve their defense, constantly trying to improve and get better. 
And that invigorates Mark. He, he wants to play with guys like that. It makes him want to be better. Um, and so, you know, he's constantly talking to those guys on and off the floor and Kyle and, and Gary and how they can continue to improve. So, you know, Mark, it, for everything, he's, he, he's, you know, all the bad things that go along with him or whatever you think consider bad for him, um, he is, he's turned it up this season. And he's playing, I think, probably his best year that I've seen him, I personally seen him play, but I think he's playing his best year of his career. He's been pretty special. He's been pretty special to this, you know, and that's kind of further drives home. Like I was talking about with Peter, you know, Mark Gasol leads the team and win shares for 48 minutes, but you know, just one little measly uh, point behind him is Jaron Jackson jr. 1.157 to 0.156. So Jaron being as good as he's been uh, is pretty astounding as well at this point. Uh, when Mark King, his own host, the host of the locked on, Make sure you give a follow on Twitter if you don't already do so, at King underscore producer. Mark, it really is fascinating to look at some of the accolades that the Grizzlies are up for currently, um, at least in terms of the, the quarter season. Now, uh, it's a little early. You know, I, I people make fun of me. I, I say the, the call me at Christmas kind of idea when it comes to a lot of this stuff. But I do want people to understand that there's stuff to be excited about that if it's able to be sustained is obviously going to be massive for Memphis moving forward. Uh, the GBB Live question of the day poll, uh, thanks to the over 210 folks that voted in this week's poll, uh, these are four players, uh, I would say probably the four best players on the Grizzlies right now. They're all up on the line for some sort of season acknowledgement. And shout out to Nate Chester for give it, coming up with this idea um, He's probably going to write about the winner of this for a post for next week. Um, but the two options were Marcus All, Defensive Player of the Year, Jaron Jackson, Rookie of the Year, Mike Conley making his first All-Star game, and Kyle Anderson being the All-Defensive Player, so being on the All-Defense team. Which one is most likely to occur? The winner with 50% of the vote, so over 100 votes, uh, was Mike Conley as an All-Star the first time. And we talked about that a little bit with Jeff Calkins in the first segment. Um, this feels like the most likely year for Mike, the best shot he's got to get into that all-star mix. Um, but what is your take on the question of the day? You know, again, it's fun to be good at basketball again, and it's fun to say that all four of those, you know, whether you want to call, you know, Marcus all a dark horse candidate or, you know, Jaron Jackson isn't as good as Luka Doncic. I mean, you can kind of go up and down the list and, and give the opposite side of the spectrum. But to me, it's just fun to be able to look at that and say, yeah, I could see all four of those things happening if they're able to sustain or even build upon the success they've had. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Mike Conley thing, it's, it's not about Mike Conley. You know, Mike Conley's always been good. That's never been the question. The question is how many other guards are in front of him? I mean, there's only so, there's only 12 spots in the All-Star team. There's only so many spots that can give up the guards. So um, it's never been about Mike Conley. It's been about the other people in front of him. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I think – Mike Conley has a shot just like he has every other year, but you also have to take into account there's a lot of really good players in the West. It's, it, that's that's the problem with Mike Conley's all-star bid. Um, I'd love to see Mike Conley make it. Uh, I think he deserves it. Um, I, I don't think it's likely. <laughs> that's just me. I think I voted as Marcus All Defensive Player of the Year because, uh, like like you said, I mean he, he's playing right now at a at a pace that has been better than he's played in his def- you know when he won Defensive Player of the Year and and literally every. Um, 
center that has come in that he's played against in every game is, you know, he's largely won all those matchups this year. I mean, there's there's been few and far in between where uh, the other centers on the other teams have gotten the best of him. I mean, he's played some he's played some really good centers already, um, and I think you know he will continue to do that. But he's, you know, he's largely beat out every other center that has that he's played. He's he's shown him up. So, um, you know, would I like to see Mike Conley make the All Star team? Sure, but I, I think it's not likely just because the just the people in front of him. It's not about Mike for that. I think it's more about the other guards in the West. I think the Marcus All Defensive Player of the Year has the best shot at probably happening. Uh, could I see Jaron Jackson, you know, being the rookie of the year? Sure, absolutely. Um, I think he's probably got to put some more offense up, but that goes along with J.D. Bickstaff letting him actually play and, and getting him into good spots. Um, then I think Kyle Anderson being an all-defensive team, I think I think that will – most likely happen as well. I think I think if he doesn't make a defensive team at the end of the year, I think that will probably be uh, an upset. I don't think I think that'd be upsetting if he didn't make it. He's able to defend the one through four positions. He's essentially a uh, he's essentially our our Draymond Green at, at this point in terms of what he can do. Not saying he's as good as Draymond Green. Uh, I think at this stage you can make an argument that Draymond is one of the best defenders uh, in the history of the NBA. Um, but I do think he's of that ilk in terms of his versatility as a defender. I'd be surprised if he wasn't on that list, too. Uh, we're finishing up here with Mark King. Again, he's our own associate editor uh, over at grizzlybearblues.com. He also is the host of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Make sure you're following the Locked on Grizz podcast if you don't already do so, and you subscribe to all the different various places that you can listen to podcasts. I'm sure it's available at all those spots. You can also follow them on Twitter at Locked On Grizz, and you can also follow Mark, of course, at King underscore producer. All right, so as I mentioned, you're going on your big trip. Uh, you need to tell your wife that you need to time it better in the future because you're missing about four <laughs> home games uh, in your trip. Uh, but you're, you're going on a trip you should be going on, so no judgment there. Um, but anyway, it, you look at the next four games between now and the next time we're on Blog Talk Radio. I will actually record a podcast December 13th. Um, I will be back. I won't just record one and then go away for a month again. Um, so by the time that I sit down to do another one of these here, Mark, the Grizzlies will have played four games. They have the New Orleans Pelicans on the road Friday night. Saturday night, they have the Lakers at home. You're missing LeBron. That's a bummer. Um, but they play LeBron and the Lakers Saturday night. Then on Monday night, they're at the number one team or the current number one team in the Western Conference, the Denver Nuggets uh, again. And then finally, they have the Portland Trailblazers at home on a Wednesday night to kind of round out everything before we go into our next show. That's four games in the next seven days or so. Uh, obviously the back-to-back this weekend and then uh, two games and uh, four days after that. How do you see that shaking out? Do you think two and two is realistic? Because those are four teams that are either in the playoffs or in the playoff mix in the case of New Orleans as we speak. Four pretty talented squads that the Grizzlies are going to be facing down here the next, uh, again, the next seven days. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think two and two is realistic for this Grizzlies team. I think you know, this, is, this is a team that has always played up to their competition and down to their competition uh, for better or worse. They're usually ones that, um, you know, are in the game good or bad against those teams. I think two and two is realistic. I also think Owen four is realistic. I mean, these are four really good basketball teams. Uh, I think the Pelicans game is a really, really big game because of that. The Pelicans game is a winnable game, even though it's in New Orleans. But I think it's it's some, a, a game you can win. Um, the next three you know, are hard. I think the ones you probably target to try to win are that is that Pelicans game, 
and in the Portland game. I think those are the two games you, you try to probably win those games. I think two and two is realistic for this team. But like I said, it, it, it could easily go sideways and they could go one and three or zero and four very, very easily because, like you mentioned, these are very four very good teams. And if you look at out further than that, in the next ten games, they could easily be two and eight or one and nine, uh, and it just as easily go five hundred. So it's a it's a very important stretch for this Grizzlies team. Um, they've been very, very good against against top teams in the West though this year. Um, they've been they played them very well, and so it's a it's a very good test for this Grizzlies team to see exactly how they mash up. Uh, with other top teams in the playoff race, so you know, are they are they a playoff team? Are they are they for real? You know, are they going to be able to slow down some of these top offenses like the Pelicans uh, and the Pelicans who rebound the best in the NBA and have second chance points better than anybody else? Now, are they going to be able to utilize Joe Kim Noah better to be able to uh, suppress that rebounding rate? Now, these are all questions that are going to be answered pretty quickly in the next week or so. I've got them going two and two as well. I almost said three and one because I was feeling frisky, but uh, I think that it's hard for them to win both of the games of the back-to-back. I think that Denver is going to be a tough one. I agree with you on Portland. That's going to be an interesting one. And that's of course the Amara revenge game uh, as the former social media uh, person for the Grizzlies comes back. Um, Hopefully she's on that trip. But anyway, um, I'm with you. I think two and two is, is realistic. Hopefully they pick off the Pelicans. I think that's the most important of the four for division. And uh, I think the Pelicans will be closer to them as well as Portland in terms of tiebreaker stuff. I think the Lakers and the Nuggets will probably be in the top four or five teams. I don't see Memphis sustaining that. So two and two, I think that'd be good. Losses to Los Angeles uh, and Denver make sense. Beating the Pelicans should be the priority. And again, Portland as well. I'm with you on that. Mark, thank you so much for your time, your patience, your flexibility uh, on a difficult night uh, in some ways, but glad everybody was able to come on. I'm glad I was able to chat with you for a little bit. Safe travels to you, my friend, and I will talk to you soon. Absolutely. I'm glad to come on, and I'll do it anytime. Appreciate it. Absolutely. There he goes, Mark King, the host of Locked on Grizzlies, also our associate editor over at grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at King underscore producer. And follow that great podcast at Locked on Grizz. Uh, I have a weekly segment that I do with Mark. I'll be on next week with Sean Coleman, another one of our GBBers. I'm proud of GBB, man. Uh, we're, we're growing. We're expanding. A lot of great folks getting opportunity outside of GBB. Um, the work that we put in is being noticed. I appreciate all the words that Peter said, uh, and it, it's, it's nice to hear and know that we're even a small part of folks' Grizzlies fan experience. So thank you for that, and thanks to Mark for all he does over at GBB. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.
Next week, we'll be back recording live on Blog Talk Radio on December 13th. Again, the same time, 8 p.m. Central Time. Obviously, you can check us out on iTunes. I post on the Friday after recording the, the link and the player inside the blog over at grizzlybearblues.com. Lots of different ways to listen to the show. Thank you so much to Jeff Calkins. Uh, even after being a little bit tardy, he's a busy guy, one of the busiest in Memphis, I'm sure. So I appreciate him taking the time to chat with us. Thank you to Peter Edmiston, a great segment as always. Hopefully the GBB bump helps him out. And then, of course, Mark King did a great job in our segment there to end the podcast. And thanks to all of you for listening to the show. Again, like I said, uh, we've had a good year so far uh, in terms of numbers. The site continues to grow. We're having some success. And that starts first and foremost with you all taking in the content. So thank you for that. And thank you for making GBB part of your Memphis Grizzlies experience for all of our guests. And for everybody over at grizzlybearblues.com, I am the site manager of that wonderful site. And I am the host of this show, Joe Mullinax saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be back next week. We're back full time. Now we'll show a week, at least until Christmas. And then I'll take another break. Hey, it's hard being a blogger podcaster. Give me a little bit of a break here. Um, just giving you, giving you a hard time. Have a good one, everybody. Have a good week. See you next time. I am Joe Mullinax, and this is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Yeah.